This is a global original podcast. Hi and welcome to Confessions of a Modern Parent. The podcast where my husband Mark and I discuss the challenges, difficulties, frustrations and ultimately the joys of being parents and step-parents to four wonderful, talented, beautiful daughters aged between 25 and 12. Here we are. Wow, you're in for a really good podcast. All I can say is, not sorry, because I shouldn't say sorry, because it's important that people can feel what they feel, but I was absolutely broadsided by this conversation. Mm-hmm. Got really emotional, didn't it? Really emotional, yeah. So, But I think prepared. that that means we've absolutely succeeded in this podcast, because we start off chatting in the way that everyone does about obesity. Oh, you know, highest rates in Europe and da-da-da. And yes, you know, manufacturers need to be held accountable, but the end of the day what are the emotions that are going on that's making half the world overeat yes hello everybody if you hear a fly or a bee i've just looked at my coffee anywhere, and there's no uh, coffee in it sorry hang on more importantly there's no coffee in my coffee it's just water sorry guys this is of primary importance because we're doing a podcast and i need to go i thought i did maybe i didn't all right it's insipid coffee hello everyone yeah it's that kind of a day so we're fighting insipid coffee and the fact that there's either a fly bee or a wasp in here yeah um but we we have spent so long trying to catch it that we've just got to get on now and actually record the podcast god we miss the offices of global in leicester square take us back blaming covid if only we were sat in a small booth with chris breathing in his germs yeah we miss you we miss but you. here we are and we are bringing you another podcast from our home another podcast from, podcast from our po- home um, um we're in a bit of a frazzle i'm in a bit of a frazzle um because it's strange we we've done a lot of these chats about coronavirus we've done a lot of chats about the dilemmas for our kids and all the issues with mental health issues what are their futures how can we sort of build them up and how can we build ourselves up as parents when faced with so much sort of bad news um We've talked about second waves. We've talked about we've talked about all of that stuff, but there are a lot of sort of everyday subjects that we think about and worry about as parents. Um, and today's is one of those that the whole coronavirus crisis has kind of amplified and put an extraordinary spotlight on. And we're talking or we're using as a bit of a springboard today the uh, all of the kind of emphasis at the moment on obesity and a mm. battle against obesity, mm. uh, but specifically, obviously, within teens. Mm. And you were saying that there's some quite startling statistics, aren't there? Or... I mean, the thing is, I don't think there's been a day in the last week or 10 days where obesity hasn't been on the top of the news agenda no. in some way or other. Um, actually, I think it should have been for many years because we do have well, an epidemic in this country. And, you know, we have the highest rate of obesity in Europe, um, and that's including our kids. Yeah. Um, Did you say, I'm sure I was sort of teeing you up for those things you were saying last night when we were looking into this. Aren't, aren't we, don't we have the highest rate of child obesity in Europe? Is that? That's what I just said. Yeah, no, no, I know. But I mean, I was just specifically. <laughs> you literally kind of, just said that. Yeah, but you didn't say it clearly enough. I, I didn't did. Really I said we've got the highest of, rate of obesity no, in Europe. No, but you were talking as, about it as adults. And so have our kids. Yeah, I know. But <laughs> I think you needed to punch into the back of the net a Oh, well, I'm terribly sorry. Yeah. How wonderful that I have this wonderful chap to come in and punch it to the back of the net. I think you need Never mind. I need you think you needed a punk kick that right to the back of the net and say, look, we have the fattest kids in Europe. Okay. Well, I think we need to establish where we're coming from. 
We do. It's a problem. It's an epidemic. And I have a very close friend of mine that works actually in an NHS unit working with children with obesity, living with obesity. Um, and so, I mean, this chat isn't going to just be about obesity because I mean, the angle that I'll be coming from with this actually is my own struggles with my weight, but also our children don't aren't overweight, but I... I really do panic about the terrible food that is everywhere for kids to eat these days and, and what goes on behind all of our backs. And actually, think, as usual, we've got Maddie and Carlitos yeah. to fill us in on that. But if we start with these, you know, startling facts, you know, as Mark so beautifully put it, yeah. you know, we have we have the fattest children in Europe. And I think we have to say it like that. Mm. I do sometimes think we all, I don't want to sound like Piers Morgan now, but we do all have to really you know, often tiptoe around this subject. And something I really wanted to talk about, we were having a chat about this in the park earlier today, and I was thinking, well, you know what? Some of the problems I sometimes feel around things are that we approach things with kid gloves on. You know, we're far too hesitant. We're far too worried. Are we going to cause offence? Are we going to cause upset? I have had periods in my life where I've been overweight and fat. I have had times in my life where I've needed people to say that to me, to, to shock me into change. Um, it's different, obviously, when you're dealing with children. You can't just say to a child, you're fat, you need to lose weight. But, but I think as adults, we have to be big enough and hairy enough. And as parents, we have to be bold enough to say, we are letting our children down as a nation. Hmm. In terms of their I mean, eating habits. I mean, when you think habits, of poor Jamie Oliver, I mean, he was, he's been banging on about yeah, this yeah. for years now. And remember that brilliant documentary where he, you know, closed the school gates mm. and, and gave the good school good school dinners and people tried to break through mm. the gates and bring in junk food and all of that. And, I mean, I, I've said this a lot on Loose Women over the years, that I think it's... Because, I mean, people come from all sorts of different situations. Oh, absolutely. A lot of people are living below the poverty line. A lot of people haven't been taught how to cook and don't know how to cook healthy, nutritious food. And then there's a whole group of people that are growing up in a chaotic situation where they don't get to see what a good plate of food looks like. Yeah. So I'm hoping that all this drama at the moment that is that is you know on our screens in the papers will lead the government to make really clear decisions on this. And I think the very first thing we could do for our children is lock the gates at lunchtime, mm. not allow junk food, not allow people to go to the chicken and the chips shop and make sure they get an excellent plate of food and money needs to be put into that mm. because the cost to the nation down the line, I remember years ago a consultant saying to me at St Thomas's, this was before the pandemic, said what will bring the NHS down is our obesity diabetic crisis that's mm. going on in the country, that, that we have children coming in having to have amputations mm. because of diabetes, type 2 diabetes brought on by, um, by, by you know, being obese. Um, but we're looking but, at... We're looking so, at there's, so there's lots of root causes that people talk a lot about. You know, we do, obviously, and my friend who works in this obesity unit says, you know, they go, they have to go right to square one. They have to get photographs of everything the children are eating. She says, and it is, it is you know, often people just... I think it's really easy to think that you're giving your children extra love when you give them extra food. Mm. We can give really mixed messages. Like, for instance, to say to a child, oh, you hurt yourself, there you go, have a sweetie. You are setting up patterns well, to reward. Dentists do that. Dentists, dentists do used that. to do that. You come out of a dentist, they do it now.
I took Maddie and Kiki, however many years, sorry. Ooh, uh, and, uh, uh, oh, there you go, have a lollipop. On the one hand, ensuring they get a return sort of business because you're going to get fillings. But also, yeah, a kind of really odd mixed signal. But the other thing about all of this is eating habits and obesity as, an, as, as a sort of development of our grown-up eating habits. And often in these chats, we kind of spiral back for a brief moment and interrogate our own upbringings. And I do think in our own particular experiences of how our eating habits and our approach to food have rubbed off both negatively but also positively on the girls, on our girls, uh, can be really channeled all the way back to when we were younger. I mean, just very a quick snapshot because food was not an important thing in my childhood. Food was not seen as a thing to be cherished, relished or enjoyed. Mm. It was purely functional and you can see that with all your families just shoving like Mm -hmm. horrible bits of bread and jam in their mouth never laughing at the thought of sitting and having a meal together yeah but no one ever i never saw anyone i never had any of the ritual or the social Mm. enjoyment or the excitement or the kind of the the sort of sing song and the merriment or whatever of of food being cooked it was a task that had to be done often by my nan my mum rarely cooked other than fish in a bag we've often joked about it. it used to be served up still in the bag sometimes you know the most sophisticated dinner I had was beans on toast. I thought vegetables came in a tin. I thought fruit came in a tin. This was the kind of food I had, you know. So when I look back now from my Tarquin-like life now, I think, bloody hell. But weirdly, within all of that, flavours and tastes were developed. So I do have a tug towards the sort of more manufactured and processed foods. I like more salty foods. I like things that are artificial. I'm, you know, I'm not anti that kind of fodder going into me because, you know, if there's a new kind of, you know, I don't know, craze or a new soft drink or a new snack, I'm up for that shit. I find it really exciting. I, I think it's kind of like new and it's, it's, you know, there's a new brand and there's a new flavour, it's a new twist on something. And so I am a big kid in that regard. But that was very much hard, hardwired into me from a young age. And also the way in which I used to eat as a child was because there wasn't much food around, I would stuff my face. Mm. And we've talked about that. Mm. But your experience was completely different. Well, yeah, because my mum is a really good cook. I came from a family of good cooks. Um, and everything, every single thing was home cooked. Mm. There were no cereals, there was no ice cream, there were no biscuits. God, everything everything was homemade. Wow. Everything was freshly baked bread, yeah. everything. Now, you might say, oh, that's all so wonderful. But, and my mum did this from the best of best of hearts. Mm. But I think that we, I learned, I learned a lot from that because everything became, to me, you know, the forbidden fruit. Yeah. You know, so all I wanted was to eat a whole packet of of, of, of really bad for me biscuits. All I right. wanted to do was to get hold of, I don't know, a, a, an ice cream from an ice cream van. All these things that we weren't allowed to have, allowed. And that's why I really don't believe in banning stuff at all with children. So though I talk to our kids all the time and I do worry terribly about what they eat, um, I've always had crisps in the house, biscuits in the house, They've always been allowed to have chocolates. We go to the cinema, they have popcorn because all these things that were banned from me, banned for me, became binge foods for me. Mm. So uh, it's it's very, very com- complicated getting the right the right balance. And it does, it causes me great sadness that my, that my girls don't really enjoy 
good food. I, I mean, they like are, shit. Are. They, they do. Like no, they shit. do like shit. They do like shit. And and I I have to put my hand up sort of at the off here because we're sort of moving into the territories of how we have both parented our kids, which is what this is about, isn't it? How have we parented our kids? How does that connect mm. to the sort of the pandemic we've got in our country, if you like, of obesity mm. and overeating as well? I mean, I think you can. Yeah, because I think the important thing to talk about mm. here is. You could be very thin and mm. you could be very unhealthy inside. So Precisely. I don't get obsessed with just if somebody yes. is fat on the outside. Yes. I It hurts me yeah. when I watch my children overeat salt and sugar because I know yeah. if you're not exercising enough and you're eating a lot of salt for girls, you will have probably you have a very high risk of osteoporosis yeah. at an older, older age. And because often this falls to the mum, because the mum know, often knows more about all the health things, it, you can get a bit frantic about it because you can literally see them... Like, you know, a lot of fried foods, very bad that they look ahead to, you know, potential can different cancers. Mm. I mean, obesity itself leaves you open to 12 different kinds of cancers. Mm. So these are very, very important topics for parents oh, to tackle. And I think often we shy away from them because food, there's so much attached to food. Yeah, I mean, if you yeah. think right when, right from when you first go to feed your baby and you breastfeed them and it doesn't work and they don't seem to want it, a panic starts to rise. God, I can't feed my child. And that can go on right through, right through their life. And can I ask just on a sort of gender specific basis, it's really interesting that you should, you, you should raise the whole topic of breastfeeding. You see, I think I think that in a way you've honed in on what must be the fundamental difference between dads and their kids and food and diet and mums and their kids. Because you are essentially, whether you're breastfeeding or bottle feeding, whatever it is, there's no sort of judgment involved there. You are entirely sort of responsible as a mum, aren't you? There's a huge pressure well, on you as a mum. Forget about that point. It's when you're them. pregnant. Well, of course. From the minute you're well, pregnant, course, you're, you're feeding life. them. You're yeah. feeding them. So, so I'd had very chaotic, disordered eating yeah. before I got pregnant, and I got pregnant, and I was like. Everything I ate, I was eating the very best stuff because I wanted my baby to have the very yeah. best stuff. Even if I didn't want it, I was eating it. And so it begins right at that point. You know, you know, that their their brains, their little fingers, everything you're thinking about, how is it what I'm eating is going to affect how so they're that's grow. interesting. Are you saying that even at the point that your baby's inside you, you're feeling you're feeling potential feelings of guilt or like you've done things wrong if you eat too much because I, I'm, I'm no, thinking, no 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 not eat too much no not, not eat too much eat the but right eat the wrong thing yeah, yeah no but what I'm saying is it's a really I haven't even thought of it in those you know in that detailed way I haven't gone that far up the sort of chain of command and chronology is forget the baby forget the breastfeeding in the body what you're actually eating whether it be terribly fatty food incredibly carcinogenic food whatever whether you're drinking too much, whatever, you you are essentially already moulding this creature that is your child. The nutritional... The nutritional, the nutritional. Or, or, origin story, if you like. Of That's child. why the responsibility is felt Massive. so much more keenly by the mums, because yeah. it starts from the moment of conception right. and everyone starts looking at what you're eating, suggesting you have some liver, why don't you have... So it's like yeah, straight well, on true, you. It? It's right on you straight away. Yeah. That this baby's health, this baby's very being, this human's being depends on what you... are treated you, like cattle. No, but I mean, it's funny because when I think back, I, you know, I have a really sort of, you know, when I used to work with Nigel Slater, he came from a background, Wolverhampton, the Midlands, which really resonated for me. And he would talk about the sort of plasticity of food and how plastic it was and how mass produced it was. And I've, you know, when I think of food, I think of like Marks and Spencer's custard tarts. And I'm just just sitting here, I'm just remembering the kind of, what were the flavours and tastes oh God, and hard-wired food of my youth? And it was very mm. suburban plastic, mass-produced, without 
you know, as processed as processed was back then. Mm. Do you know what I mean? But I craved all that stuff. I mean, I still love nothing more than a a, a loaf of mother's pride right. bread, yeah. sticky like plastic yeah. bread. I love all that Fray junk. Bentles. I mean, I don't eat it. I mm. have it sometimes because I like the girls to see me have it sometimes and see me relax and have it. But you can't have it all the time. Mm. You just can't. It's just... And I think, you know, people are working so hard. People, you know, we work so hard in this country, long hours. People come home, they want something you can throw in the oven, you know, get the bag of frozen nuggets out or get the bag of frozen chips, which I myself do sometimes as well, even though I've written cookery books, we all do it. Mm. But this is causing, you know, all this 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 mass-produced um, um, plastic food is why we have such we have so much dis-ease in our bodies. So why whether is, we're obese or not, yeah. even if you've managed to eat like that and not be obese, you've still got that. It's unhealthy. Well, I mean, I heard some pundit the other day saying, isn't it sad that it takes something like a global pandemic mm. with hundreds of thousands of people dying or ill for us to even consider what, what how much we're eating as a generation, as you know, as, as being a problem or a crisis, you know, but but the obesity problem has it come from just an increasing availability of more food, but or has it come from a lifestyle thing? I mean, my sense of food and what I've got, you know, come to learn about food, like most things that we eat or do or drink or take in compulsively, is that there is obviously an enormous emotional and psychological contingent to it. It's often tied into depression, anxiety, uh, fear, all these kind of things, low self esteem. Um, I just don't think we can underestimate how much that's the same for children as well. Mm-hmm. It can start off with them if you're rewarding your children and you're and you're and they're seeing like our own bad habits. We've had plenty of bad habits with our food and they pick up on that. Mm. Um but you know, my friend that works in this obesity clinic with children, she's you know, they make them write a food diary and then everything they eat, they have to write what they were feeling mm. and why they think they ate it. Wow. And she said ninety-nine percent of those comments are comfort. Really? Like, comfort food. For comfort. Wow. To comfort. Now I've I'm mm. I you know, it's like I, I often say to people, you know, because I've you know, I've had a lifetime of thinking about this stuff, but the thing of when you go to eat something <clears throat> have a think are you sad lonely hungry are sad lonely tired mm. anxious um whatever it is 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 it anything other than you're actually hungry very hard to do that with your children in your everyday life though yes very, if you're in an obesity <clears throat> clinic and you're dealing with it but in our day say for example maddie comes down and wants a packet of crisps because she wants to just late at night and um, we'll talk about our own habits that have formed and, and I, I fully listener acknowledge that I have been a bad influence on the kids. Um, you know, you're not gonna it's gonna be very hard to sort of intercept that moment at that moment, say, hang on a minute, hang on a minute, Maddie. What are you feeling? Well, I'm not right really now? talking about saying that to children, I'm talking about saying that to yourself. If you're a parent, you've got to think about these things. Because I think it's rare for somebody to have uh, for for a child to be uh, obese without there being also the a parent is struggling also no, no. with maybe living with obesity. If you can start off with your own, I think, if you look at what you're doing, because there is no greater influencer than yourself mm. as a parent with your children. Um, I was like, I don't know if you noticed today when I had the coconut yogurt and the granola, the low sugar granola, and I was making a point of saying in front of Kiki, oh, it's so delicious. It's just so delicious. No, I thought you were going on a bit. I just loved it so much. So delicious. 
But if they see you really relishing and loving this good food and saying, wow, look at the colours, oh, I feel so much better for it. It's just subliminal advertising. Do you think by extension, the next time we get a packet of Pringles, I should eat them and and vomit? No. To subliminally tell them if this is terrible and this is bad for you? No, definitely. I mean, I think, you know, let's get into the nitty gritty here. I have been a terrible influence on the kids. And for anyone listening, and I know that our blended parenting chat um, really cut through and resonated with a number of listeners, as did our first ever chat on this podcast series, which was Good Cop, Bad Cop, where we talked about my approach to food a little bit. Um, I know that as a blend, you know, as, a, as an absent dad, for me, food was a vehicle with which I could indulge and make up for lost time with certainly Izzy and at times Fleur when she came came to see us. You know, it would be a way of being able to, we'd go to restaurants, we'd sit at Pizza Express, Kiki, Izzy often talks about the Pizza Express that we used to go to in the Doble. So there was a real emotional contingent. And I th- the reason I wanted to start with this was this was my first experience of food and its impact, my attitude to food and its impact on my children. Well, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, though. I no. mean, it's like, you know, you were an absent dad, you might have bought a home and cooked her a lovely roast dinner. Mm. I don't think there's any, I, I don't think you should have any guilt about that. I think what what goes wrong is then when it tips over into massive bags of snacks. And I think that's well, no, what often and, and, dads do. But that's do. where I was going to get to. So yeah. it started well, but then over time it would become, we'd go to the supermarket on a Friday night and get whatever we wanted. Mm. And the get whatever we wanted, because it elicited a momentary kind of excitement of, oh, mum won't let me have that in, mm. in, in, in Izzy. I wasn't standing there going, ha, we're going to give you everything your mum doesn't. It wasn't like that. But because as a, an absent dad, you're looking for your own short, sharp hit of intimacy and meaning with your child i you know i'm being really sort of fearfully honest about this you know i i know that food was a way of enticing and facilitating and allowing that in a similar way in later years with maddie and kiki very often when we'd go to the cinema you know one of the kind of driving forces behind it was whether we'd be able to have snacks when we went to the cinema together and whether we were going to go and eat in one of our favorite restaurants you know whether it be nando's or whatever afterwards or before the cinema so you know i know that um you know i have actively used food not in a obviously not used it in a way of forcing bad food into you to make you unwell but i haven't had mindfulness about why we're eating what we're eating and it's an addi- why we're eating it, it. It's, it's addict behavior it's sharing yeah. addict behavior with your child isn't it oh because God, that sounds awful because no but not consciously but I, I did find it literally painful because you would take them to the super cinema a lot more than me and then i would come and they would want these extra large popcorn mm. and i'll be standing i'd literally not be enjoying the film because i think they at this moment are eating about six teaspoons of salt mm. because they're in this extra large and then i would say can we not have an extra large could we have me oh mom oh you're so boring and then it would be you oh yeah mom so no, and then it got to the point where not i mean and i recognize this i'm not saying this is a good thing but it became stressful going to the cinema with you because i knew you'd be cross with me and then i knew their their expectation was that they could have it and and we were in a bit of a head fuck situation where it's like, oh, I don't quite know how to resolve this or get us out of this. It's so happened. Well, if somebody's in that situation, what they say, what the way you're out of it is to say, listen, I've made a real mistake here. Actually, what your other parent has been saying, I've looked into it and she's right mm. or he's right. You are having six teaspoons of salt here, which that could give you heart disease. That sounds so bloody responsible. No, but I mean, you I'm not going to stand that. in a cinema and go, you know you, what, kids? No, no, but outside of that. Your mum has always been right and we're now going 
that. To just get one packet of you something or other. You needed to do that because we had years of me being the boring parent and you being the great, exciting dad who let them literally poison themselves. It wasn't just exciting because of the food, but you're right. I mean, I mean, I've given you that for free. I'm, I'm acknowledging it. Yeah, I but think you thought you were being really clever by giving it for me to, to me for free because then you thought I wasn't going to say anything. No, I didn't. Oh, you never not say anything about anything. You'll always pull me up. That's fine. I understand that. No, and I recognise, you know, in another area, I know that like of an evening when me and Maddie used to watch What about Game the of habit Thrones, of them buying a whole in... big bag of chocolates to put into the large box Yeah, but that popcorn. was something we saw in a movie that we just really That liked. you then did every time for about two or three years. Yeah, but it was good. Their cavities, their bones. Yeah, no, no, I agree, I agree. But then again... I don't, but I think this is a really important conversation to have because... So many mums say this that they mm. try so hard, and then the dad comes in and like, does all the work. goes, "Yeah, come on, let's just have whatever we want." Well, that's great for you because actually, it's really fucking boring. Constantly saying, "Listen, have you mm. had anything green? Have you da da da?" And they literally, no, your children will turn against you for it because they've had a taste of this other world where everything's yeah. exciting and they can have whatever they want. Yeah. And it's 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 really it's re- it is so really are you, hard. Are you, are you categorically? stating that our kids' issues around not eating healthy food is all my fault? No, but I think Because that ignores have, their social conditioning. I don't think so, but I think that what you've done for years is undermined everything that I've said about healthy food. And now they have the line, all she ever talks about is food. And actually, that's not true. And I, I really hate it because well, I'm thinking I, I, of everybody's health. So when I watch you, like, overeat, like, a whole box of dates in one go, and I'm thinking of your sugar, and I'm mm. thinking that you're not going to sleep that night, and you're then you're going to... I think about all these things. Mm. And it is... It can be really, as a mum, it can be totally exhausting. You mm. feel like... And some days I go to myself, do you know what? I'm just going to completely give up. I'm not going to say anything to them about food nothing mm. and of course i can't because i love you all and i don't want you to be i don't want you to be unhealthy i don't want you to be you know and i think i am thinking 10 20 30 years time you know what you lay down in your in your child's body now will determine their health but can i just will so, determine yeah, can I just heart say, disease diabetes yeah, all this stuff i kind of you see the thing is i don't disagree and obviously i i take that on the chin and i hear you and and you're right, and I think perhaps the way that I've tried to do it, and I have tried to do it, is that it, when we go out, I've tried to encourage them to reduce portion sizes. I've tried to kind of clip it in at the edges a bit, as you know, and, and not sort of go for chocolates and popcorn. It's it's one or the other, or preferably it's just popcorn and a small popcorn, and they always have bottles of water rather than fizzy drinks. So I do feel... It even hurts regard, me how often you give them fizzy drinks. I mean, they now regularly have fizzy drinks, and they never used they, to. And that's I, hard work to not, go all through your childhood, not letting them have fizzy drinks. Yeah, no, 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 but the thing is, I have the worst diet as a child, and, you know, people can survive and can change their opinions. You were And given, you're addicted to fizzy drinks. Well, I am, but you I'm also, are. I also... Mark, you're addicted to fizzy drinks. <laughs> Mark, 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 this yeah, is me, you're looking straight at me. Yeah, but they're sugar-free uh, fizzy Filled drinks. Filled with aspartame. No, they're not. My, my diet ginger beer, if there's a diet ginger beer Mark. maker out there that wants to sponsor me, I it has no aspartame in it. Do you know what's really interesting about this discussion, and it isn't going how we thought it might? It's going is, precisely how I thought it is, might. Is that 
it's really, really difficult to get this balance right. So when a government would give a sweeping statement of like, you know, we've got too many obese children, how are we going to sort it out? It's very complex. You can't just say we need to sort this out. I mean, I'm thinking also for adults that are now really worried about being obese with the whole COVID mm. promise of what's going to happen to you if you have COVID. It, 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 this is very complex and there are battles within families about food and that's confusing for a child as well so i think you're the never thing gonna about, get i agree I mean, the thing I about food is is that one has to and i've had very disordered eating and the girls have seen that disordered eating they've seen me cooking and then not quite eating or eating on the edges of stuff they've seen me before i had consciousness talking about oh i shouldn't have eaten that and i shouldn't have eaten they've that seen now binge as well they've seen me binge now, now, when I overeat something, I will always say, oh, I really enjoyed that mm. and I'm fine with that. But then they'll, I try and make a point of them saying, I just adjust a bit. Like, it's OK to go out and have a big pizza at lunchtime. Mm. But in the evening, maybe just have a bowl of soup and a, and, a, and a bread roll. You don't then need a big dinner or you don't need something else. So you, we are trying at the same time that we're trying to find balance because we both have disordered eating we both have have mm. struggled with and have made terrible mistakes in front of our children mm. but we are struggling to find the balance ourselves and order our disordered eating and our children are around that so anything that we do we or you listener do with your food with your exercise with everything influences your child but by falling on my sword as a dad and acknowledging how I sort of have undone at times and often the good work or the work that you're trying to do with the girls. And I've not done it in a, in a malicious way, but I have done it in a sort of, I've done it in a, in a, yeah, I've done it in a willful way. I think most dads do. I think many dads, many men, and I'm sorry if I'm being gender specific here, but I do think many men do think, oh, come on, let's just, you know, does it have, do we have to be on this ritual all the time? Do we have to be on this rigmarole no, all the time? Do we, of the time. You know, yeah, no, 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 absolutely. And I think that's the important thing to say. But by following my sword, I'm kind of wanting to try and say to you, you know, you are not entirely responsible for everything our children eat because, it, yes, we're an influence on them, but so is society. So is the free prevalent availability of snacks and food and disgusting and fried chicken and all of these things and you know and also let's not forget the most important influence on any teenager or child is their peer group the habits of young kids mm. you know when they have get-togethers i mean i remember a friend of one of our children i won't say who uh, but I remember a friend of one of our children when she used to come and visit they would used to i mean i'd see our girls look their eyes would bulge with shock at the amount of food that was being funneled upstairs for a midnight feast. Mm. And I was shocked. And it was a constant... So how can you control another child that's come in that's clearly got a massive eating disorder and is taking your children with mm. them? So, you know, that was a very think... acute example. But, that you know, in, in, a, in, a, in a more sort of general way, you know, I remember at school, even though it was in the 80s, we used to be let out at lunchtime We'd go down to High Street Ken, we'd head into McDonald's and everyone would have a McDonald's. I was having a, I was having Big Macs and cheeseburgers from the age of 12 to 16, 17 every day for lunch <gasps> at school. Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean... I was know. having 
heavy wholemeal bread and hummus <laughs> salad in a horrible <laughs> soft poor, margarine poor bowl. <laughs> I want to ask you this, and I don't, and I'm not saying this in any way to be inflammatory oh, or God. accusatory or anything. Let me just get my fly swatter then. But I think it will be interesting for other people that maybe do big junk food, yes. like binges with their kids, and maybe are looking for a way to stop it. And I think, you know, it's about having consciousness. It's like when I think of all the times before I had consciousness that I would talk about, oh, my disgusting arms, oh, my fat mm. stomach, oh, my, which I would never do now in front of my kids. But at the time I was doing it, I didn't realise what I was doing. For me, sometimes it felt, and I used to get so frustrated because I had been a teenage binger, because mm. I'd been a teenage binger, that I, it almost like you were, binging, getting all this stuff so that you could have the binge too. Just pause for a minute. Don't be offended. But do you think, not consciously, but subconsciously, come on, let's all go and get what we want. Was that a way of you having what you want? Uh, listener, that's me pausing. <laughs> and I'm about to give you a very honest answer. And I don't actually have to hesitate. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. And and I think if I was to, I'm not going to start crying again, but if I start unpacking what food, what my problem around food, I have a huge problem with food. And I do, you're right. I think even if I think back to, oh, it's so easy, isn't it, to move yourself as a dad. All you have to do, especially when you're a father of daughters, I just have to think of each of them as, as little kids running and we'd run around supermarkets and we do things together and all these kind of things. And And yes, I think at the back of every time, Every time I got anything that was indulgent for any of my girls, it was an opportunity for me to join in. To have the comfort yeah. of the two of all yeah. of you binging. Together. Yeah, and in that sense, and what gets what... mucky in that yeah. is then the feeling of culpability, responsibility, guilt. It's it's not a million miles away from saying let's get drunk together and go down together. So that doesn't feel particularly pleasant to come to terms with that, if I'm honest. But you, what's so wonderful about you is that you do bloody, you do get honest. And it's, well, both of us actually, because I, I really, I've, I've sat Maddie down and I've really apologised to her very seriously for not being conscious of the way I used to speak in front of her about myself. Well, sweetie, don't cry. I've done, you know, I've done so much damage myself by talking the way that, I, that I've talked in front of her. And I, but I know I didn't mean it. It's all about intention. But when we used to fall out about it, it was because I knew the patterns of binging and it was like, you know, they love you so much and to and 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 we make these and the reason why we're talking about this so in such a brutally honest way, listener, and this might be you might think we're being cruel to ourselves and to each other, but this is the kind of conversation that people have to have around overeating. Just talking about portion control, just talking about the stats in Europe, just talking about government warnings does fuck all. You have to get to the root of it. We have to get to why do we overfeed ourselves? Why do we over therefore and vicariously overfeed our children? You know, what it's very, very complex. From the first moment we draw breath as a newborn baby, the very first thing we do, we, that happens to us is we are given sweet, warm milk to comfort that cry and that shock and that horror of coming into the world. And it continues right through life. Not for everybody, because many people do not have this complication with food. They're totally fine. They just eat to survive and that's fine. But many of us 
have a very complicated relationship with food. Yeah. And and to think that we'll just swan through being parents without that in any way impacting on our children is, is, is mad. Well, I think the thing that really cut me up just then was I was just thinking, you know, we've talked, I think, in other chats about, you know, the difficult part of being a parent of teens when you're, you know, trying to be their friend. Sweetie, take a minute. This is, you know, this this stuff is big stuff talking about this, you know. The only way to do it is to get real about it. Otherwise, there's no point. Otherwise, no, we're just all just talking farts. That, you know, so me and Maddie would have a very um, regular, for years, you know, we've watched series together late at night, Walking Dead, Game of Thrones, whatever. And if I think about what was actually going on in terms of how we'd, you'd go to bed, she'd laugh at me, I'd go to the snack cupboard. I'd always hear go, you. You'd, we always knew you'd hear me. Sometimes I'd hide a bowl of something <laughs> when you came down. But actually, when I think about it, I was I feel really bad because I feel like I was putting her under, her under sort of some pressure. And I could feel that as we've, as she's got older, <laughs> we've exhausted watching everything. So we've watched everything. Um, oh, sorry, it's so difficult. Tweety, listen, don't just, be so I, no, no, hard no, just, on yourself. I, no, I'm not. I just, mm. you know, it's, it's, it's the reason I'm so sad is because it was a really contorted way of me trying to hold on to an intimacy of being with her of an evening talking about mm. stuff because teenagers necessarily and rightly are moving away from us as parents. And it was our time. Mm. And I felt, I feel like when I look at it, I was consciously and unconsciously using food as part of the camaraderie and mm. part of the, the, the engine fuel of keeping that process or social engagement going. And it's kind of gone now. I think... And I know that that's a good thing for her because, in essence, like any addict or anyone who has compulsive behaviour, the danger is how that person who's enacting that addiction, if you like, and let's look at the way I was eating. If I think about it, you know, it, I mean, you know, we've, we've opened the kind of Pandora's box, haven't we? And, you know, and, and I was eating addictively and compulsively. It was an opportunity to binge. Hmm. And she was binging with me, but there was a look in her eyes towards the end, Maddie, where I could see she didn't want this to happen anymore, for her sake, and I, I didn't too, and and things have just sort of stopped, and I, you know, so there's a sadness that we don't have that time together, but there's also, I think, one of the other reasons we don't is because we both know we don't want to fall into that habit. Wow. Um, um, and I think there's an unspoken acknowledgement that what we were doing wasn't good for ourselves, and. And yeah, you know, I mean, when you're an alcoholic and an ex-addict and you look at your behaviour around drink and drugs, you sort of look at it and think, just replace the food with substance abuse. And you're like, fucking hell, what have I actually been doing? <laughs> so that's why I'm so upset. Mm. I feel like I it's, think it's a it, bit of a moment of kind of, oh, I, hang on a minute. But I think I also, something. also, I think it's not always as bad as that. I think 
it's kind of a rhythm that a lot of partners get into with each other. Like yeah. you go out, you know, you're out for the night with the girls. Come on, kids, let's get a load of pizzas and a load of shit, and let's just eat the whole night while yeah. your mum's out. I mean, so don't be so hard. No, no, on no, 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 and I'm not, and I'm not being a sloppy twat because what what's upsetting me fundamentally is that if I actually interrogate if, with everything I know, listener, about my behaviour and my addictions around alcohol and and drugs, let's not beat around a bush here. Clean for. Clean for six, coming up to 16 years this October. It's been the longest fucking year getting to 16 years sobriety, I tell you. Um, I realised that the addictive gene has been really burning bright around food. And that is quite... (laughs) I've had that moment has happened in this chat. And I realised that I was you know, not doing it through any sort of malicious intent. But, I'm, I'm, you know, it's just making me think how many fucking oh. families go through mm. this shit, have none of the language, have none of the realisation, mm. you know. Don't even know. Don't, don't even know. We only and, know and we are sh- taking families down this... We're yeah. all taking ourselves we as a only, family down we this We only route. know all this stuff because you've been to rehab. We oh, would have God. just unconsciously been eating. So, I mean, it may feel like we've gone off on one a bit, but actually Whoa. I think we've just gone right to the heart of it, which is mm. that... That um, that we eat for all kinds of other reasons yeah. other than we are hungry. We eat yeah. because we are emotionally hungry. If you sit just shoving a massive bag of crisps into your mouth without consciousness, your child sees that from right from a tiny. Mm. And 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 believe you me. It's not just about blaming parents. My God, we all blame ourselves for stuff every day, don't we? But it's about us being aware of what's actually making this clock tick here Mm. and just going, is there anything I can do to just slow it down a bit? I think, I think, I think... I, I think, like yeah. I mean, I've got I've got a couple of friends who eat brilliantly and their children are overweight. So it's not just always about how we eat mm. and how we eat in front of our children. I think that it, it, some people just at an early age use food to mm. medicate their feelings a bit. And that's a fact. If I think if I think in a, if I use any if when I use food, I think it's when I'm anxious. I think it's when I get anxious. I kind of quell it by eating something, saying swallowing down your feelings. Mm. And so... If we go back to the beginning when I was talking about investigating ourselves when we're overeating and when we're not moving enough, because let's face it, children in this country, a lot of children in this Western world eat too much and don't move enough. Yeah. Now, we know those two things will end result in a, mm. in being overweight or obese. Some people, they don't show the fat on the outside, but they've got fat on the inside and they're unhealthy. We all need to eat a bit less and move a bit more. And our children have to see us doing that. That's what's really important. Our well, children have to see us doing that. Well, I think maybe what this whole conversation, um, I do apologise, listener, my sort of unexpected <laughs> breakdown, um, what it tells you is that actually, you know, I mean, we've joked as a family so much about me eating all of the dates, all the raisins. You know, I used to, I used to literally, listener, if a Nutella jar was in the house, I would do one of two things, either eat it all and then hurl the jar over into a wreck, an empty wreck that used to be next to our house, Not 
not into another garden, I hasten to add, just to hide the evidence. Or if I was in a sort of <laughs> in a sort of preventative mode, I would take a full tub of Nutella and hurl it like a hand grenade into the garden to prevent myself from being able to jump into it. Now, as a family, that's become sort of part of our shtick. Recently, I've been sorting shtick. out the cupboards and every cupboard at the back of it, I find a jar of Nutella that I've hidden. Right. It's like finding hidden vodka bottles yeah, yeah, with an yeah, alcoholic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. unbelievable. No, but what, and what I'm trying to say is, is that what, what I think a lot of families do is they turn these kind of ticks and behavioural motifs and rituals, they turn them into comedy. They turn them into funny mm. things. It's something we should all laugh. Oh, daddy. Yeah, Dad. Oh, mum. Oh, oh, yeah, well, I get that from dad. Oh, well, we all can't. None of us can survive without eating a whole box of biscuits. You know, and so, and I think the reason we laugh it all off and turn it into a sort of, oh, it's just the thing we do. It's just a this, it's just a that, is because actually to go into the heart of it is to go into the heart of the very same shit that we have around alcohol. So when we do these chats on these podcasts about alcohol, drinking too much, we all know we're going to talk about something that's bad for you. When we talk about drug taking, we all kind of kind of, kind of agree, okay, maybe it should be legalised, but it's bad for you. Talk about food, it's a very different thing, isn't it? Because we all have to eat. I mean, that's the most important part of this is you can't have abstinence. And where you are and, and there's shame i mean you know this but you've talked about this so much i suppose the other thing that kind of upsets me is, is is that i haven't come to terms with the shame i feel around my eating habits i look at my own mum i look at my family it was an absolute dereliction of nutritional duty at work there i mean there was no nutritional but i don't hold them responsible it's just the kind of family we were in the kind of class we were the kind of background we came from wasn't important to us. Over the years, I've grown up, I've met you, I've developed an idea and an understanding, and I still struggle with it, willfully struggle willfully. with it, because because I, say, no, I still don't understand because it. Because like, I'm yeah, wanting do. to allow myself yeah. some addiction. Mm. And I really, really worry, and I think I'm going to have to come out of this chat in a minute and interrogate at great length worryingly so, what sort of negative impact I have had on all my girls. I don't think you need to. Why talk to yourself? We all make mistakes mm. all the time. You're aware of it now. You don't need to do anything. Everyone will be fine. All right. <laughs> okay. Well, th thanks for saying that. <laughs> well, there we go. Yeah. We I mean, listen? every single thing we do impacts on our children. Well, of course You know, it but does. then that's what makes... But, but think of all the amazing things that you do as a dad as well. You do loads of incredible oh. things and they deem themselves extraordinarily lucky to have you as a dad. But you do have your foibles. Like all of us, listener, mm. as parents, we all trip and fall and make mistakes but it's how we pick ourselves up and what we do after it that makes us at the end we'll be on our tombstone you know we tried our best well, we have, tried our bloody best we did well let's have a listen to maddie shall we yeah and carlitos uh so with teenagers uh eating badly behind their parents back the thing is is that i don't even think that we do it because we're like ow this is bad for us so we're gonna have you know it's just like I don't know, the food tastes good, Molly's is good, McDonald's is good, what can I say? And it's cheap for us to just go to a shop and get loads of junk food. Um, but yeah, I mean, I can't talk for the whole generation because I, I don't know, I feel like everybody's kind of different when it comes to this, but I mean, when I eat junk food with my friends, I'm never there thinking, I'm eating junk food, I'm just like, oh yeah, like I want to buy this because it tastes good, you know? Um, I don't even see it as eating behind their backs. Like, I'm, I'm never dishonest. Like, I'm honest. I'll come back home and they're like, what have you eaten? And I'm like, 
McDonald's and stuff from the corner shop and the Morleys and, you know, it's not something I'm ashamed of. Um, I don't really know if parents can influence how their kid... I mean, I still think that at home, you know, uh, they should maybe, well, like, try. <laughs> um, but I don't really... I don't think it really works. It depends on the person, though. I mean, it doesn't work for me. It doesn't work for a lot of my friends. But I know some people that aren't that big about eating junk food and they don't really want to get junk food and um but they're weirdos so um yeah I mean I don't I don't really know I mean I've kind of always since I was little like you know mum or dad went in the kitchen I'd like grab some sweets I could find and I'd go in the bathroom and I'd eat them or like I remember the first time where I was like where I can remember like stuffing my face without mum and dad knowing it was really bad but I was like I think I must have been about six and we were on holiday somewhere and mum had been making a cake or something and she'd been using like you know a packet of sugar like a, a big packet of caster sugar and like I was helping her out and then I remember trying some of the sugar on my finger and I was like oh my god that's so good and then she put it away and went outside and when they were all outside I got the cast sugar out and I just got handfuls of sugar and just ate handfuls of sugar which was really bad I mean I haven't been that bad since but that's like the first time I remember like properly like eating behind my 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 parents back but I do I mean I do it all the time I I yeah um but I don't know about obesity and teens because like we eat a lot, but at the same time, we're all kind of really scared of getting fat. So, like, I don't know. I feel like, for me and for some other people I know, that we kind of, we either eat loads of junk with friends or we just, like, just don't eat. And then we're like, oh, we won't eat anything whilst we're hanging out today. And then maybe tomorrow we'll get the junk food because we're like, we want to eat bad, but at the same time, we don't want to... <laughs> We don't want to, you know, put on loads of weight. Um, so, yeah, it is hard. I don't really know how parents can influence their kids because no matter what, they're going to go out and eat badly. And at the same time, I, I just think that, like, we're teenagers and why the hell can't we eat bad? Like, I get that what we do now, you know, affects how we're going to be when we're older and all of that. But everybody as a teenager would go and eat, Well, I don't know about everybody but majority of teenagers go out and eat behind their parents' back and it's just part of being young and it's fun, so why not? Um, but, yeah, <laughs> I don't really know how parents can can influence it and it is different for everybody else. I don't I don't really think that any of my friends eat behind their parents' back, though. Like, they will just be like, oh, yeah, I just, I just ate all this rubbish today. And then so the parents will, like, detox them for the next five days. Um, but, yeah, I don't... I'm not really sure. I don't feel like obesity... Definitely within the people... From the people that I know is a problem. I mean, they eat junk food, but not to the extent where, you know, you're going to put on, like, too much... Like, we know our limits, do you know what I mean? So, yeah... <laughs> 
It's interesting though, isn't it? It's, it's your 17, you know your limits. You don't know what it's like as you get older if you binge on junk food mm. and then starve. Basically what she's saying That's is... binge drinking. We all like binge, binge drinking, we all yeah. binge. Then yeah. we have a day where we don't eat much so we can binge again. Yeah. And that is, that's disordered, you know, that's disordered well, eating. And, and, and I'm, I'm afraid to say that n- most teenager girls do get into that kind of disordered but eating. Presumably that sort of yo-yo dieting. It's like Terrible. yo-yo dieting and eating yeah. and starving yourself and then eating loads can't be good for your... Of course it's not. But I think good. she's right. I think a lot of people do see it as a rite of passage. Yeah. But um, I feel sorry for those people that can't have the day off because that's how we get to an obesity. Yeah. But of course, she's just explained exactly what we were talking about, that yes, you might not be fat on the outside, but actually eating yeah. piles of McDonald's and piles of... Um, burgers and fried chicken is not good for you Mm. i mean you know again even with that we are i'm i'm very easygoing i will sometimes have a mcdonald's and i bloody love it i will sometimes have a and and that's what we want we want moderation but what she's saying to us loud and clear there is it's a rite of passage we're all going to do it tough shit sod it Bit like me having McDonald's every lunchtime but did you notice how she didn't say one thing about you and about food so you don't no 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 i know Okay, let's listen to... uh, Carlitos. If I'm being honest, a few of my friends literally live off fast food thanks to, like, all the delivery services around. But me, myself, I like to think that I eat very healthily, you know, and I like things that are made with fresh ingredients and I love things that are good for you. Um, I used to want to eat takeaways every single night and just eat you know junk food all the time but ever since I shifted my diet slightly you know what I choose to eat I've seen so many changes within myself um for example my skin has cleared up significantly I feel stronger I'm less stressed out and overall I just feel a lot happier um I mean don't get me wrong though when I am with my friends we will have bits of junk food and a takeaway or something but I make up for it by restricting myself but obviously not too much there as it is important to have a balanced diet um but I'm not too sure if parents can control what their kids eat when the back is when their back is turned um a parent could be controlling a teen's diet for all different types of reasons it could be medical reasons um, all different types of reasons but I think it may depend on that specific person but for me when my my parent I mean my parents feed me good healthy food and when their back is turned I maintain that but it's not just for them it's for the benefits that eating healthily has brought me Bloody Why hell. are you not my child Carly because I need God. to swap you with Maddie I've never heard such a sensible oh, attitude to food. I love it when he comes here. He eats all wow. the lovely stuff and he wants avocados and he wants this and he wants that. Yeah. But any teens that are listening, listen to that. His skin yeah. cleared up. Yeah. He feels stronger. He feels better. Would you 
put the lowest grade petrol that you could find into your car? No, because what would happen? It would splutter and it would stall and it would yeah. get to move. That's the same with food. But he does raise that incidental and very important detail in fast food and our eating culture, mm. which isn't just the the venues, not just mm. the you know the chicken shops and the burger joints and all that kind of stuff, but the delivery yes. services. Really That's a really important point because. You know, there's, you know, Deliveroo, Just Eat, there's a plethora. I mean, Uber Eats, you know, it's a and we use all of growing it. industry. Absolutely. And it, that feeling that you can access fast food even faster. Oh, dear. Even faster mm. to your door. And it's like I saw a thing on the, the other day on Twitter. It was a, re a really clever advertising campaign, actually. It was Nando's. It says, Nando's now delivers. And then later in the day on Twitter, on the same advert, it said, bet you haven't been able to stop thinking about this. And I thought, I have actually. And you told everybody I about told everybody. It. I, I never tell anyone an advertising jingle or, a, you know. Anyway, so that works subliminally. Shall we have a look at what comments people have sent in or letters? Yes, yes, let's. Now, before we record each episode of our podcast, we ask you to get involved on social media. Hashtag Confessions of a Modern Parent. If you want to get in touch on our Instagram, it's at Nadia Sawala and Family. On Twitter, at Nadia Sawala. And if you're a little bit scared of Nadia and you're a little <laughs> bit worried that she might tell you off, you can always come to lovely, cuddly old me <laughs> at, at, on Instagram at Mark underscore Adderley. A-double-D-E-R-L-E-Y. You take the first, I'll take the, the first second. One? Okay, thank you. We love it. We yeah. love you guys getting in touch. Thank you. And you're always so eloquent. Yes. So I am going to have a little visit with Ted from Bath, who's 48. Great. I've always believed in good family structure. I cook square meals, plenty of veg and good quality meat. As a family, you avoid fast food and takeaways apart from the occasional treat. Sounds marvellous, Ted. I don't really buy many unhealthy snacks, mostly fruit, nuts and perhaps an odd packet of biscuits or crisps. Yum. I taught our kids at a young age to reach for a piece of fruit rather than a chocolate bar and that mm. portion control and regular meals are important. I've made sure that they're interested in sports and outdoor activities. They have had a healthy start in life and I hope these lessons will carry on helping them through their lives. However, the friends they have over for dinner are frankly mostly obese. Good God, mostly. One of their friends is worryingly so. I'm not a doctor, but I think he's morbidly obese. What shocks me is that when I get snacks from my kids' friends, they are never full. They always want more. Wow. When they go out in the garden to kick a ball about, their friends last about 10 minutes before they need to stop. And when they are thirsty, they always ask for fizzy drinks, never water. I feel that the obesity epidemic is the parents' responsibility. Just like we teach them the difference of right from wrong in matters like stealing and treating others with respect, we must also teach them to take care of their bodies and enjoy a proper diet. Too often junk food is blamed, but if we teach our kids to stop eating... All the, eating it all the time, the problem will go away. Now, this is quite interesting, mm. being married to a man who I've witnessed his grandmother, who I've witnessed his grandmother and his mother's attitude to food. And it's all very well to say it's just up to the parents, but we do learn from our parents. Yeah. And your mum very much learnt her terrible, terrible eating habits oh my from God. her mum. Absolutely. Eating most think, of her food at midnight. Yeah, and you would have continued that yes. on with the next generation if you hadn't, you know, accidentally married me and then I, I'm much yeah. more, you know, health conscious about yeah. food. So I, 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 I'm always really wary of just blaming parents because I just don't think it's that easy. It's so complex. There's so many there's so many factors involved. 
to to why a child is abused. I think rather than blame, we need support, and I think people need a lot of support. I also think it. I also think it goes back to that thing we were discussing a minute ago, where I think a lot of people can sort of even if they might not want to think about it, they can identify or comprehend the idea that you struggle with drink or drugs or, or, mm. or gambling, you know, other elements of social behaviour. Mm. But I think around food, it's a very hard element. It creeps up on you, literally mm. in weight <laughs> uh, and also in terms of, you know, habits. So, you know, you find yourself after a period of time having changed in your basically your size and and your outlook and then it becomes incredibly hard to kind of kick the habit like smoking what a lot of people don't seem to realize what i don't realize i didn't until recently is that a lot of these brilliant junk food foods that are out there are actually um created by neuroscientists wow. that know the exact amount of sugar salt and whatever else to put for the trick to trigger the brain to keep you coming back for more. Oh, yeah. So, you know, sometimes these me. foods that we really love, these junk foods, we eat mm. them and then we're starving 20 minutes later and we want them mm. all over again. That's because some very clever people have put together the just the right chemistry to make Believe sure Believe me, happens. I've done documentaries all about biscuits and things like that. There's a lot of, of sort of emotional science mm. that goes into this stuff. And, of course, there's the whole thing of advertising and, and constantly being sort of promoted, sort of, you know, bigger packs, bigger packs, family mm. packs, all that. Free for the price of two. Exactly. Uh, Here's another one from Sandy, 38, Pool. Um, everything... What about, sorry, just to interrupt you there, there's a particular pizza chain where their pizzas are very expensive and quite often it's cheaper to buy two than buy one. Oh, I know, that's quite something, isn't so it? So you find yourself buying something that you don't want yeah. and then you end up eating half of yeah. it. That, they agree. should put a stop to that. It's when I keep being offered a chocolate bar whenever I buy a newspaper from Smith's or somewhere so like I'm that. Boring. It's really, oh, hang on, I don't want yeah. a chocolate bar. I think that's what the government are talking about putting a yeah. stop to and I think well, that would be very, good. I would applaud that. Applaud it. So Sandy, 38, from Paul, everything was going really well with my daughter's diet until she was about 11. At that time, my husband ran off with his lover and I was suddenly a single mum with a full-time job. I work at a fast food restaurant and to make enough money to pay the bills, I have to work until late at night. Because I needed to care for my daughter as well, my boss agreed that she could come from, come, she could come from school to the restaurant and sit in the office to do her school work. And as she was at, at a fast food restaurant, she always had burger and chips for dinner. As my guilt for her situation grew, so did the portion sizes. I knew it was bad at the time, but I just wanted her to be happy. And I was so overworked to properly understand how much weight she was gaining. When I saw a photo of her just 12 months earlier, I realised how bad the problem had become. She'd gained a lot of weight in just a year. Sorry, I've lost the capacity to read. I said she could go straight home after school and that, that she should start to walk to and from school rather than get the bus. But she got so lonely and still turned up at the restaurant every night. I'm ashamed to say that at age 15, she developed breathing problems during a gym class. The school nurse called me in to explain that she needed to refer my daughter's weight gain to child services. Mm. Writing this is awful. But she went from a typically healthy 11-year-old to a 150-kilogram 15-year-old with a BMI over 70. I'm so ashamed. I failed my daughter. Life derailed me and I stopped giving my daughter the care she deserved. Now I'm getting support from child services to help turn my daughter's life around. I'm so grateful that they've been understanding and supportive, but the guilt of what I let happen never leaves me. Well, Aww. it's funny that we should get that because I think the guilt that you're feeling is, okay, maybe not manifested itself in exactly the same way with the story I was telling earlier that got me quite upset. But I can really relate to that guilt and that sense of responsibility. I think it, it goes back to, and I'll reiterate, why this is such an important 
problem that needs to be tackled cleverly and sensitively is that I think we are all too easily capable of defining any problems with food as kind of frippery and lighthearted and not too serious. And I do think that that doesn't sound like a very academic or intellectual argument, but that's as simple as it is. You know, we because we have to eat, because we all like to eat, and because we can joke it off, it becomes a much, much bigger problem. And I think that's why perhaps societally it's becoming, no pun intended, an even bigger problem, because we keep managing to kind of just, you know, caricature it or laugh it off or joke about it or just go, oh, well, you know. Or, and and it's, it's a profound, profound problem that, that, that will cause societal guilt if we don't deal with it. And for me, that just breaks my heart, that letter, because what I hear is a mum who, yeah. against all the odds, is managing to support her daughter. Yeah. Um, it's. I can't even imagine how difficult it must be to be a single parent holding down a job. I, I cannot imagine because I find it so difficult with a really supportive partner and, um, mm. you know, with a job and employers that, that treat me really well. So first off, big hug to you. Yeah. Secondly, you've done the right thing. You've you've been offered support and you've taken it because many people don't. Many people will say, no, they don't want it. So one day at a time, you're a great mum. Just keep and, on doing what you're doing. And can I just say, what are the other major parts of eating well? Time. We are all time poor. And I think the feeling amongst most people is that I haven't got the time to cook good food. Or the time to sit down no. and chew. I mean, one of the big, big problems is we all eat on the go. And yeah, we have, so I good. often will eat a meal and each mouthful, I'm lucky if I chew it more than three times, yeah, so chucking true. it to the back of my throat. Yeah. So actually, we're supposed to really chew because that way our... Our stomach gives us, our gut gives us signals that we're filling up. Mm. And so many problems, I mean, so many health, different kinds of health practitioners will say over and over again, chew, 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 chew some more. Okay. Well, I've enjoyed chewing the fat with yeah, you, love. Well, we'll chew on that for some time. <laughs> that's it for this episode of confessions of a modern parent if you'd like to comment on any of the topics we've discussed today we'd love you to get in touch use the hashtag confessions of a modern parent if you want to find me on twitter it's at nadia sawala and on instagram it's at nadia sawala and family and if you fancy getting in touch with me it's at mark underscore adderley thank you so much for listening if you like the show please subscribe rate and review tell your friends and get involved and you can hear more episodes of Confessions of a Modern Parent on Global Player or wherever you get your podcasts. Bye. Ta-da! <laughs>